Understanding Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Paul. Hello. Hey, guys. Uh, well, we're here today doing episode 31. Say, isn't that the wingspan of Dumbo's ears? At least. <laughs> very well. Very well might be. I'm not sure what increment of measure we're using, but I think that that's probably pretty likely. It's got to be 31. Parsecs. Always go with parsecs. <laughs> Could be 30, parsnips. 31, 31 ears? <laughs> 31 dragon force. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the best unit of measurement right there. It's up there How about a curric, gigawatts? <laughs> How about a curric would be weight. <laughs> True. If you missed our last episode, you should really check it out when the gang and I had a head-to-head competition between the Fab Five of the University of Michigan and the Russian Five of the Detroit Red Wings. You can find that and all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcast. I find mine in my sock drawer. I find mine singing in the shower. Oh. Yeah. I find mine while I'm going 80 on the highway in a yellow Corvette I dreamt I had. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think I could fit in a Corvette anymore? Sure. Yeah. It's pretty low to the ground. It won't be easy to get out of, but I think you can get into it. Hey, if the Pope can fit in a Lamborghini, you can fit in a Corvette. You know, that's a good point. But they've never shown him getting out of it. He's still in it, actually. (laughs) They just turned that into the Pope Mobile. I want a race car bed. Did you guys guys see that Onion article where it was talking about the Pope being uh, nervous for his end-of-year review with God? Yes. Awesome. Yes, I did. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you know that the Onion was started in Madison, Wisconsin, and Greg has taken me to Onion headquarters? Oh, did not. that's awesome. Which so, is basically like a convenience store with a bunch of trinkets. Did it make you cry when you went in there? Always. <laughs> you guys uh, may remember Greg from our uh, the Garbage Pail Kids. Kids episode. So he was our special guest on that episode. So Indeed. So that's that's awesome that you guys got to experience the historic uh, landmark that is the onion headquarters <laughs> the historic landmark for the onion which has been around for what like 20 years i think it's longer than that but I'm it might sure. be actually i think it was print a lot longer than we know it in its current form that's fair that's probably accurate but anyway we really appreciate our listeners support and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on itunes about our show If you'd like to leave us a five-star review written on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on air. Unfortunately, this week we are out of reviews, so this is a large plea. Please leave (laughs) us five-star reviews on iTunes so that I have something to read for this segment. (laughs) They can be ironic in nature. They can be whatever you want them to be. As long as you check the five stars, we will read it on air. And if you missed it, Adam will read anything on the teleprompter, so please have fun. If you want us to read your your doctoral dissertation, we'll read that. If you want us to read a love letter to someone, we'll read it. Just please give us a five-star review. (laughs) Indeed. I'm looking at you, Morden. It's been a while. <laughs> Seriously, what? Where? Where has he been? 
I don't know. We're going to call him after the show. Seriously. Martin, we're coming for you, man. I still anyway. love that we uh, that we include the segment music at the beginning of this segment, even though we don't have any reviews. <laughs> <laughs> any new reviews, I should say. <laughs> anyway, let's get this started. This week, I'm going to be leading a discussion on Walt Disney's fourth animated film, Dumbo. But first... Um, remember, we're going to pick next week's topic uh, at the end of the show. It's going to be Nostalgia Combat. Nostalgia Combat! Yeah, so I'm going to be coming to the, the fight with Water Parks and Adam in tote with Melissa Joan Hart. Adam Me wins. and Melissa are going to take you down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Adam's going to explain it all. Oh, Dang right. Shoot. He's kind of a Salem-y looking guy to me, you know? True. <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, for our other old friend, Paul, to pick him a new topic. But first, Paul, tell us about Dumbo. pick another topic before we talk about the elephant in the room oh the elephant in the room yeah dumbo it's definitely not the elephant in the womb because he was delivered by stork true true so dumbo as i said earlier was walt disney's fourth animated film it was produced for nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars which wow as far as Movies go in 1941. That is an insane amount of money. I, I've to be honest. What's funny is I looked up the conversion and then I didn't write it in my notes. But I think it was around 15 million dollars, as far as adjusted for inflation, what it would cost today. So, for example, I have my notes from the slasher film Halloween special that we did, and 1984's mm. Children of the Corn was an eight. Hundred thousand dollar budget. So Jeez. that was forty three years later, and still a hundred grand less, unadjusted for inflation. <laughs> <laughs> Un unreal. That's a ton of money. Yeah, so that's the movie has always been a trendsetter. It was so it was um, the most expensive animated film at the time. It was the first movie to be released on VHS and bait. Well, I take it back. It was. It was one of the first because Alice in Wonderland and Dumbo were released at the same time on VHS and Betamax in 1981. Right. Oh, okay. And in 1981 dollars, I believe that cost you about $80 for the Betamax of Dumbo. Jeez. Which is kind of funny that it was, you know, such a high price tag for a movie that has a runtime of 64 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that this movie falls into our criteria is because it was re-released again when we were children and when the and i won't tell you when for a specific reason that will become <laughs> evident later hmm, um, i wonder what that could be maybe but the uh dumbo is a collection of firsts it was the lar- it was the largest most expensive animated movie for its time 1941 it won an Academy Award for soundtrack. Wow. And it was the first movie to be released on VHS, and, or one of two of the first movies to be released by Disney on VHS and Betamax in 1981. So Alice in Wonderland was coupled with it, so they came out at the same time. The movie itself 
It has an amazing soundtrack, but the animation to me has always been a little weird. When was the last time you guys watched Dumbo? Like, ever. Tonight. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> I'd say I watched it pretty recently to prepare for this, but before that it had been, in its entirety, probably 25 years. Yeah, same. We did watch it a little bit in one of my um, teacher education classes in college, and we'll get into some of the reasons why we watch some of those segments momentarily, because I was a social studies teacher, so there were some very particular poignant sections uh, of Dumbo. But Oh, yes. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Yes. So one thing that, because uh, I watched it last night in preparation for this, even though I've probably watched it three or four times over the past few years with my kids, but... Uh, what, two things that really struck out at me is that I realized when I'm doing research for this that the edition that we've always seen is edited. It now comes in at 61 minutes, but the original release was 66 minutes. Really? Huh. And I don't know what they cut out specifically. I could venture some guesses or some guesses in some of the releases and I'm sure we'll get to that when we talk about some of the controversy and probably some of what you were alluding to, Brian. But one of the things that really struck out with me is a lot of the animals and a lot of the close-up scenes are animated at a very high frame rate. There's a lot of detail to Timothy the mouse. There's a lot of detail to Dumbo, Mrs. Jumbo the catty group of female animals. But then all of the people, for the most part, are like almost like, for lack of a better term, they're washed out. You don't see details in the faces. They're like shadows. But then even when the elephants are by the people, like in the scene when they're setting up the circus at the beginning of the movie, the elephants have full detail. They have faces. But then when you see the people that are like assembling and doing the the pounding of the stakes in the ground, they don't even have faces. They're like shadows in the rain. Right. And that really stuck out to me as being like very different because it seems like most of the Disney animated movies were much more heavy in the detail. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Is that something you noticed or is this just me being weird? No, it was actually something I I definitely noticed because I think the only person that had, and by person I mean human character, that had any detail whatsoever was uh, Herman Bing, the ringmaster. Um, yes, you know, and he has the the funny little curly Q mustache and all of that. But yeah, uh, to your point, I think that I can't remember what the name of that song is, but it's when they're setting up the tent and those guys come out and literally they're all just like basically silhouettes wearing clothes and yes. they just kind of come out and the song is kind of insulting for anybody who's ever had a manual labor job just about these guys working all day and then they get paid and they throw away their pay and they never learn to read yep. or write pretty insulting and it may have been my imagination this is kind of alluding into what i had mentioned earlier but most of those characters uh from what you could see of their skin tone was was darker uh than the ringmaster for example i'll agree with that it's it's hard to tell but i definitely got that vibe and it it did make me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um it goes back to, you know, 
I still think that this is a family-friendly movie and overall has a good story, but it's definitely a product of its time period. And when you're watching it as a child, you don't pick up on that. But when you watch it as an adult, at least for me, in 2018, there was, when I when I sat down to watch it with the purpose of critiquing it, it definitely made me uncomfortable. So the general story of Dumbo for the for people who haven't seen it is the movie starts as all great children's movies start with a drunk stork <laughs> that uh, is unable to deliver a baby elephant. Now, to be fair, this stork definitely looks overworked. And if you had to fly a baby elephant halfway around the world and then, you know, meet up with a train car... Uh, I think I would be a little upset too, but um, <laughs> right. the beginning of the movie is all the uh, circus animals, uh, the storks are flying over and the storks are dive bombing in these uh, little parachuted babies. There's a tiger that comes down, a baby hippo. I don't know yeah, why this always freaks and... me Giraffe. I don't know why this always freaked me out, but it did when I was a kid. The baby hippo lands into a tub of water, and the hippos are sleeping underwater. (laughs) Now, I'm not crazy, right? Hippos are mammals. They can't sleep underwater, right? No, I don't think so. I don't know if they can sleep under there, but they can be underwater for an incredibly long time. Yeah. Fair enough. So I think they kind of do like alligators do. They stick their nostrils above the water, and that's really all they need to have stick out, and they can go back under for, like Adam said, like hours at a time. But I don't hmm. know if it's like a full night's sleep hours at a time or if it's like, you know, a binge watching of Westworld. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> so the circuit, so all the animals are delivered, and then we are shown Mrs. Jumbo for the first time, who is one of the group of female elephants. She appears to be the younger of the female elephants, as the elephants as a whole, for the most part, there's like a group of older female elephants that almost remind me of the Golden Girls, <laughs> and they're very catty, and they nitpick on everything and complain, but, you know, they're there to do their job, and they seem relatively happy. And then there's Mrs. Jumbo, who only has one line in the whole movie, and that's when she gives Dumbo his name. But she's sitting and waiting, and she's seeing all the babies delivered, and she is clearly distressed, although she doesn't speak. And then the t- the animals get loaded on the train car, and the train takes off, and it's going you know down the hill and up the mountain. And one of the things I always loved about this movie is the train is sort of anthropomorphized. The train whistle will say little words if you're paying attention. Like when it's going up the hill, the the train whistle is like, "I think I can, I think I can." And then when it comes back down, it's but, like, "I knew I could, I knew I could." <laughs> yeah. And if you look, and I never noticed this as a kid in the early VHS editions, but if you rent the movie and see the remastered one, there is a face to the train. It doesn't move. The whistle moves with a mouth almost, but the train itself doesn't, or the train itself does have a face in the very front hmm. of it. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say, I also noticed too that uh, on the occasions where it's like starting up or stopping or whatever, the front end will kind of come up on the train so that like the front end is at kind of like a 45 degree angle. And I don't know if it was like necessarily purposeful. I'm sure with it kind of being anthropomorphic, like you guys mentioned that it probably was somewhat intentional, but it almost looks like a person, like the rails that control the wheels on the, the uh, train almost look kind of like arms 
at certain mm-hmm. points in the frame and stuff like that. So I think they even extended that a little bit to have the train even look like a person a little bit when it was in that stage, too, to give it kind of more of that I could feel. see that, yeah. Yeah. So, Drunk Stork uh, gets lost on his way to deliver the baby to Mrs. Jumbo, and Mrs. Jumbo is clearly distressed. And the animals are loaded on the train, the train takes off, and then we're shown back to the stork, who stops, look at his pocket watch, you know, takes another swig off his flask, and then uh, in the distance, spots the train, takes off, makes an amazing dive when you're considering that he is carrying a baby (laughs) elephant. I mean, it's definitely not, you know, a, definitely not a one pound whole, coconut, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, there's a game called Would You Rather? And my favorite question of the game Would you rather be operated on by a drunk doctor or a fourth rate medical student? Oh, no. And the best illustration I can come up with for I, for me personally, I will always take the drunk driver or the drunk doctor. I almost said drunk driver. <laughs> I apologize for the angry letters, but if you're going to send us an angry letter, please leave it as a five-star <laughs> review on iTunes. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, the drunk stork flies in at the train with the elephant, matches speed, and then perfectly drops the elephant into a mo- into a moving train car drunk or not this is a stork that is clearly good at his job has been doing it for a long time and this is second nature <laughs> although at this i point. think that, uh... he was a little slow getting there but in the end his execution is perfect a fourth rate stork... okay, i think that MythBusters actually busted this myth that um storks actually don't deliver babies what oh sorry sorry I'm you got shocked. anything you want to tell our audience about Santa Claus, yeah, Brian? Yeah. I mean, they don't deliver babies <laughs> into a moving locomotive, is what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, a fourth-rate stork would have never been able to accomplish this. This is clearly someone that's doing their job. It's second nature. He's well accustomed, and this is why I will always take the drunk doctor over the fourth-rate medical student. <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's muscle memory. He knows what he's right. doing. Take Keith Richards, for example. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, Keith, uh, Keith Richards has been dead for 20 years, and he can still play the guitar just It's amazing. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, don't tell him that. He might fall over. <laughs> Well, I think it's the gratuitous amounts of cocaine that's keeping him alive. <laughs> that could be. I, I think that... I think he's still been running off of the same high since like 1981. <laughs> I, I think he died back then. It's just his body is so hyped up on the cocaine. He just his body hasn't quite figured it he out. Never yet. had time to get Dumbo on Betamax because that was the same year it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we know who lost that battle. (laughs) So baby Dumbo is delivered. Mrs. Jumbo, very excited by the news. You know, she unwraps the or she unwraps the cloth that he gets parachuted in at. All the catty female elephants are gathering around him. It's that stereotypical, oh, look at the baby. Everybody has to see the baby. (laughs) You gotta see the baby. Exactly. And uh, as he is floundering about the uh, train car, he sits forward, and then all of a sudden, poof, ginormous ears come out and flap. And they (laughs) all gasp. And there's one elephant that not so... Not so quietly whispers to the other elephants, look at those 
ears. <laughs> and they all just sort of bust out laughing. And Mrs. Jumbo, very offended, she slams the door shut in front of the uh, catty elephants, hitting them in the face, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I don't know why. But she pulls the pin, and the little door flaps down, and it just hits them all in the face. And then you can hear them talking amongst themselves off camera. She's like, I don't think my comment was that off color at all. <laughs> and as this is going on one of them uh refers to the baby as dumbo and the reason that she refers to the baby as dumbo is so apparently and i still did not get this from the movie i had to read this in various sources online apparently dumbo's actual name is jumbo Jr. jumbo jr yeah but I don't actually oh, okay. remember her saying that. And I just watched the movie last night. The only thing I remember Mrs. Jumbo saying ever is when they call Dumbo. And she goes, yeah, Dumbo. Like, you know, confirms that as his name. Am hmm. I completely okay. wrong in that? or The version I saw, and once again, this may be the different edited versions. Maybe they've changed it over time. But it definitely comes off as kind of a bullying thing. Like, huh, Jumbo, more like Dumbo. And that's even increases the level of offended she was. Yes. Um, so it wasn't even just making fun of the ears, but then also calling him Dumbo was not something that she appreciated. Fair but enough. it could be different in the different versions, and that may be why. One is you know three or four minutes shorter than one the other. Is, yeah, 64 minutes. One is 63. So another thing about this movie that you ever notice in most Disney movies, they sort of force the... They always have to have some sort of traumatic event, uh, you know, that causes a child to grow up faster. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Frozen, the parents get yeah. killed, Lion King, Mufasa. Well, you're, um, you're missing the most obvious one, Bambi, whereas Bambi's mom gets we murdered. We don't talk about Bambi. Still I'm still working through that. <laughs> <laughs> so are we all in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> so one of the Literally. things that sets this movie apart from other Disney movies, and to me this is almost worse, is Dumbo's mom does not die. She is not killed. Instead, um, they try and work Dumbo into the circus. The ringmaster, uh, they have their usual elephant bit, and they try and work Dumbo into the circus. And so what they do is they do their usual where the elephant comes out walking on the ball and then all the caddy elephants stack on top of each other and sort of an acrobatic move. And Dumbo is supposed to run in with a little flag and hop on the top of the tower and everybody's oh. supposed to ooh and ah and that's going to be it. But instead he trips over his own ears and causes the whole thing to come crashing down because he trips over his ears, he bumps the ball, and the whole circus tent comes crashing down. Mm -hmm. Now, I think his mom was locked away before that, though. You are right. I forgot. So I was thinking that it was after that, but you're right. It is right before that. Um, I think what happens is somebody who looks like Scott Farkas from uh, A Christmas Story <laughs> kept harassing Dumbo and yes. kept pulling him like, oh, I want to play with him. I want to make fun of his ears. And, and then Mrs. Jumbo was like, like hell you do, and then started paddling him on the butt with her trunk, yes. With her trunk, yeah. And then uh and then the like the I wanna say zookeepers, but it's the circus, so circus keepers, I guess, uh all come in are trying Parties. to like 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, are all trying to get her under control. And she starts throwing people left and right, like through the air. And I think she ends up dunking the ringmaster into a big water tank. Yep, and, tub of water. And then that's you were right. it. I, Mad I had elephant. my events. I had yeah. my events uh, out of order. That occurs first. And the Scott Farkas uh, character, as you refer to him as, <laughs> he's the only other human that I remember in the movie that has any detail to his face besides the ringmaster. Yes, yep. Because even the other boys that were surrounding Dumbo, and, you know, they pull him out and were laughing at him and making fun of him, I don't remember there a lot of detail to them, but what's funny is the, the boy that she ends up spanking, he has huge, he's got red hair, big teeth, big ears, not unlike Dumbo. Right. And that, I did pick up on that right away. And yes, she grabs him, spanks him, and the whole thing comes, you know, to a head, and she gets locked away in the caboose of the train and is marked as a mad elephant, rendering Dumbo an orphan. Right. And then from that, they try and force him into the circus act with the caddy elephants. And, yep, you're right. I had my I had the events crisscrossed. Um, from there, they try and make Dumbo a clown. And they mix him in with the clowns. And uh, they do the running gag where they have the building on fire and the clowns running around. Right, And right. Uh, they... Dumbo's at the top of the tower, and just as the, uh, you know, building's about to come crashing down, they shove him out of the top, and there's actually a guy in the back of the burning house that hits him with a board to knock him off of the platform, and he goes tumbling down, and they have one of those, I don't even know what you call it, the stereotypical, whenever you see firemen in old movies, and they always got the trampoline that they're running around trying to catch people with, right. and he's supposed to bounce on that, and he goes through it into a tub of water. Yep. And, you know, same thing, like, they have Dumbo painted up, it's very eccentric, and they're mocking him for his large ears, general facial features. And this whole time... Like I said, this this movie's unique because in all the other movies, the parent dies or is taken out. In this case, in my mind, it's almost worse because while all this is going on, while Dumbo is essentially being tortured, his mom is locked away in the caboose of the train and he's not allowed to see her anymore. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, but this is get, when he makes a new friend, Timothy yes. Q. Mouse, who is a little mouse with almost like a Bugs Bunny-like voice. And he sees that Dumbo's getting picked on by the other elephants, the other animals, and especially the other elephants, the caddy elephants. So what do we all know about elephants? But they're absolutely terrified of mice. So he tries to show them a thing or two by making them all scared. And then he goes in to see Dumbo um, and try to, you know, lift his spirits. And eventually that's kind of when he starts getting more involved with with the circus, but a lot of these things are still like, he's still not able to see his mom. He's still not fitting in. And f from what I can tell from the dialogue going on in the movie, being a clown is not a good thing. Like even among the other circus acts and circus animals, like being a clown is like the lowest of low. It is the lowest tier of the carnies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so yeah, I guess there's then the next section is Dumbo is really upset because he knocked this ball over that all the other elephants were balancing on and they all fall and they all hate him now 
and Timothy Mouse is like, oh, well, cheer up, Dumbo. Didn't, didn't I tell you? You know, we got some time arranged to, to see your mom. And so they go out to the cart and it's a very touching, touching moment. I think the song from that is called Baby Mine. Yes. Um, and that's one of the most iconic songs from the movie. But yeah, it's just kind of a touching moment with him and his mom. And then he has to kind of go back to uh, the rest of the circus. And that's kind of when the whole world takes a huge quantum leap in a in a twist of a direction. <laughs> I really like the character of uh, Timothy Mouse. I like him better than Jiminy Cricket because I feel like Jiminy Cricket is just there to tell you to believe in yourself. And I mean, I know he's supposed to be your conscience, but Jiminy Cricket never succeeds in helping Pinocchio. Whereas Timothy, you know, he actually applies action, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense, and actually guides Dumbo. And he also sticks up for him when others weren't around. Whereas Jiminy Cricket is just sort of like, I don't know, man, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Right, right. And then... Coming back from the baby mind scene where Dumbo leaves his mom and he's all sad, they stop off at the circus tent where the clowns are undressing and partying from after their performance because it was a hit show, right? supposedly. And uh, they stop in and while the clowns are drinking, one of them drops what looks to be a bottle of champagne in a bucket of water. And this leads to one of the most iconic scenes in Disney animation. <laughs> the Pink Elephant Drunken Parade. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so what I always thought was interesting about it, I get the Dumbo's a baby, but he drinks this water through his nose because he has the hiccups because that's apparently yep. he was crying, you know, after visiting his mom. He was kind of sad that he wasn't going to see her again for a while. And Timothy Mouse is like, well, all the crying's going to do is give you hiccups. And sure enough, <laughs> like he gets the hiccups. And so he drinks what he thinks is water through his nose, his trunk. And he holds his breath and then swallows it just like you would for the hiccups. And he gets instantly smashed, like just absolutely <laughs> smashed. Um, <laughs> and it's crazy to me because then Timothy Mouse goes to investigate. He ties his tail to like the handle of the bucket Sticks his He's face like, what in. What sort of water is this? Yeah, and then he like loses grip and falls directly in. So he's like completely immersed in in this. I'm assuming very high alcohol content water now. And he comes out and he's just equally as buzzed as this baby elephant. Like, dude's a mouse. Something's something's not adding up here. <laughs> yeah, it always it, but, to me it always looked like a champagne bottle, but it's got to be like some straight southern moonshine if you dump it in a bottle of water and it's still that potent. Not to mention that all the clowns pass out in about 30 seconds and then drop the bottle into the bucket. Right, right. So, so that corn mash. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So this leads to a dual hallucination where both of them hallucinate. They see a, uh, what's the proper word for it? I want to, what's a herd of elephants or? I think it is, is a, a herd actually. I think it is a herd. So it's like a herd of pink elephants that march together and then they change shape. And it's very, to me, it always, there's two scenes like this that stick in my mind from my childhood. The boat scene in Willy Wonka when they're going through the tunnel. And then the pink elephant scene is sort of weird group hallucinations that you'll (laughs) never unsee. And it's even weirder when you watch it as an adult. And like some of the elephants are belly dancing in the center of it. And (laughs) I never really thought of it from that perspective. It makes a lot of sense. 
But I'd always kind of more likened it to the um, famous scene from Fantasia with the the wizard, the wizard hat, where it was kind of that same, like, I guess, scene set up where you have a lot of the same objects or, or same characters that are all kind of moving in the same direction or uh, moving oh, around the screen. Yeah, the, the Sorcerer's Apprentice where all the brooms are getting like buckets yes, of yes. water, like bucket after bucket of water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's and crazy. It always kind of reminded me of that because you have the elephants that are circling around them as more elephants are made out of the bubbles of the champagne or whatever it is that, you know, they're coming into existence and then marching around them and stuff. So it always kind of gave me a... A sorcerer's apprentice vibe uh, in that scene. So, is this the origin of the pink elephant? You know, when we were kids, whenever you saw like drunk people in children's entertainment, it was you or people with substance abuse problems. It was usually accompanied by them being followed around by a pink elephant or an elephant in the room, so to speak. Is this the origin of the pink elephant? Because I actually was not able to get to the bottom of that. Do you guys know, or do you have thoughts on that? I had not given it any thought. That's uh, that's a really interesting hypothesis, though. I think that um, with anyone's five-star review, if they can uh, <laughs> crack this case for us, <laughs> I'd, I'd be I'm very gonna, interested in knowing I'm more about that. I'm going to do some more research, but am I crazy? Or I mean, the pink elephant has been around in other forms of media, but this has to be the origin of it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would think yeah. so. Well, let's do some research and then we'll revisit it another time. But I was just curious your guys' thoughts on that. So with all good nights of crazy partying that end in hallucination, you have to wake up in a funny place. That's just how this works. Of course. You can't wake up at home in your own bed. You have to wake up in some sort of crazy, death-defying place. And so the next morning, we're introduced to a group of crows that are flying around when suddenly they spot an odd sight. It is an elephant and a mouse sleeping in a tree. Yes. And this now, is, uh, I'll let you go. <laughs> I say, Adam, did you have any thoughts on well, this? Well, like or? Brian mentioned, uh, you know, being history teachers, and all of us students of history, we all took like AP, uh, US history and stuff together in high school. This one definitely stands out from a history perspective. You have a group of crows that come along they're very much like even though they're not necessarily like designed to look like a stereotypical african-american they definitely are their mannerisms and their characterization is supposed to be very much a take on that like kind of satirical view of african-americans from back during that time it's definitely like stereotypical um to the point where even the leader of the crows is named jim crow uh, which Uh is which is if you know history at all jim crow is a characterization of basically it was kind of like the epitome of laws that were created in the South to deny African Americans like voting rights and basically like any citizenship rights. And so it's kind of weird that that's the characterization that they would go with is Jim Crow. And then they have all of these very stereotypical like African American, like, you know, the way they talk and the way they act and stuff like that. It's very it like was, that that jazz era, like kind of the, they do a lot of scat talking and yeah, things like yes. that. Yeah, 
call it's, each other brother and stuff like that. So very, very as much. As Airplane would say, they speak jive. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's very much from that like late '30s, early '40s time yeah, period. It's definitely disconcerting for sure. Because it's, there's it's basically def- racist, is what you're saying. Isn't oh, it? absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely. done dancing around this. It's racist. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it it always has. I shouldn't say it always has because when I when I was a kid, I didn't pick up on that. I didn't understand it. And right. the crows yeah. themselves are positive characters in the movie. I will give them that. They help build Dumbo up and help him persevere. Yeah, but and- the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean really really quick on that too, Paul, is for example, the reason Dumbo was in the tree, spoiler alert, is that apparently he can fly. And he didn't know he could fly <laughs> because he was blackout drunk when he did it. But the crows basically make fun of Dumbo and like you mentioned, Timothy Mouse, this is one of the times he comes in and stands up for Dumbo, like, hey man, he's having family troubles, everyone in the circus picks on him, you know, leave this guy alone. Like, well, you know, if you say he can fly, he can fly. He just needs this magic feather. And so they actually give him one of the crow feathers and he holds it in his trunk and now all of a sudden he's able to fly, which becomes a a big pivotal thing in a few minutes later when they get back to the circus and he's falling so fast from one of those burning buildings in the the clown act that he loses the feather. He's like, oh, Dumbo, it was all all a gag anyway. You can fly. You You don't need that stinking feather. But the fact that they even like thought to like, oh man, if, if he's having that that type of luck, if he's if he's that downtrodden, we're absolutely happy to help him. I agree with you, Paul. I think that the very very positive characters, despite kind of the very very dated and not politically correct ways that they've been uh, well, portrayed. And what was weird about it too is there was no reason for it. Like it's not like that characterization of them played any role in their character or anything like that it was like they just figured hey let's throw this in and see how it works i don't know it's <laughs> it's, it's very strange that they have like such such a prominent thing that really serves no purpose i, I agree with you but part of me the optimist in me the optimist in me wants to say that in some way this was Disney trying to be positive in the time period of which the movie was made. That's fair. If you so hmm. the main the main crow, Jim Crow, which I shudder as I say the name, was played <laughs> by Cl- Cliff Edwards, who is actually a white voice actor. And then uh, the rest of the crows were all members of the uh, Hall Johnson Choir. So they were very prominent singers. They were very, I'm trying to come up with the proper wording here, but they were very prominent people in the African-American community. So this was, you know, a positive. They have the most memorable and best song in the movie, which was When I See an Elephant Fly. And Mm -hmm. it's the song that everybody remembers, which is why I don't think even when they re-release it for its, you know, 75th anniversary, not that long from now, I don't think that they're going to take them away. I hope that they address up some of the apparel and edit the movie to make them a little less stereotypical. I really do. But I don't think that they're ever going to go away because they're so iconic. Sure, yeah. sure. And and kind of going to your point, uh, like what you're talking about a minute ago. I mean, it certainly could be that they were trying to make them like a positive 
you know, is Disney trying to be like nice or good or whatever it happens to be. But remember, this was also uh, five years before they uh, released what is probably one of the most racist movies ever, which was Song of the South. The South. Well, let's just say most racist Disney movies ever. There's been plenty yes. of others. That's true. That's a good <laughs> point. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that ranks up there, though, even in, like outside of their own films. That That's ranks true. up there as one of the more, like, just very stereotypical movies. Yeah. I do want to say that part of me, I'm glad we're having this conversation, because this is probably the heaviest topic we've ever touched on on the show. Yeah. That's true. That's but true. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I think in 2018, it's something that we need to talk about. And maybe the three whitest people you know are probably not the best people, but I'd <laughs> like to say that we're trying. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, like you said, I, I think that there's definitely some good intention there. It just was a different time period. So it was clearly poorly executed because there just wasn't that level of social understanding at that point, you know, and who knows? I mean, there's supposed to be a new live action Dumbo movie coming out uh, in 2019. So it'd be interesting to see if or how or when or why, or, you know, if those characters are, are going to make any type of appearance whatsoever. Yeah, it's slated for March of 2019. And I'm definitely interested to see how they handle this, but yeah, because yeah. it's definitely going to be an, a very different time period to a, address some type of crow characters that are, you know, essentially caricatures of almost like that black face style of the African-American community. Mm-hmm. Like it's it would be very, very challenging to to reintroduce that at this yeah, point. You right. Know? right. And I, ha- I have high hopes that Disney will do right by it, but. I guess as as a final thought, and I've probably said this multiple times, this whole scene watching it as an adult really makes me uncomfortable. Oh, but for sure. I I do I do think it's it's because of the time period. I don't think that Disney had as ill intentions, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, I I can't necessarily you know speak to all aspects of it, but right. But right. yeah, from a you know from a perspective of what is it 70 something years later now it certainly does hit you very funny when you see this because it's pretty blatant in its stereotyping yes. you know it's not subtle by any means and, and especially for being a you know associated with disney which is such a family-friendly company it's very jarring to see that I mean, yeah, the the creators of It's a Small World After All, you know, the yeah. total epitome of inclusion and, and, and <laughs> global acceptance. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's very, very interesting. Do but you like think I said, you would show the, this movie to your kids? I mean, I, I have, would. But I've also, I've also sat down and talked with my kids specifically about this, just and but it's it's funny when you're talking to a child they don't see it the way we do at all and i don't know if that's good or bad but i think as the story of the movie it really doesn't phase them as far as the characters in the movie because they don't know yet you know what i mean i was going to say i i don't think it has anything i i don't think it's a good or bad thing that they don't see that because it's all about their their experience yeah. that, like your your kids wouldn't know 
about that because that's not something that's common in pop culture or anything like that anymore. So it's I I wouldn't say that it's necessarily good or bad that they don't think about it. It's just that they're in a different time period or they're the product of a different time period where they're not exposed to that. And so they wouldn't know that that was intended to be a stereotype or that that was intended to be, you know, a, a caricature of a group of people. They they just wouldn't have that experience. Yeah. I mean, the other way you can look at it, too, in a, in a less cynical light is that, you know, kids aren't born with those type of prejudices or, you know, preconceived notions that's something that they would acquire as they grow up and i think that some of that is kind of encouraging uh as the you know national dialogue has been going on for centuries obviously but i think that there's a lot of progress that's been made in the last 50 years and even in the last five or ten years i think there's a lot of progress that's been made mm-hmm. and i you know kind of maybe very very pollyannish of me but i think that there's hope for the future that that idea that kids have that they don't really see those differences as being negative qualities like they they notice the differences but it's all right you're you i'm me but beyond Mm -hmm. that you know that may be something that people don't ever grow out of that may be something that there won't be somebody to convince them that oh yeah well they're different which means they're bad you know Mm -hmm. that to me is kind of hopeful that at some point those things won't exist in it, you know, in the society we live in. Yeah, so. for sure. yeah. Well said. And I, I um, kind of just going back to a point that uh, you made. I uh, don't know if my if my point came off cynical or not. That certainly wasn't the intent. If that's how it came off, I was more trying to make the comment that kind of along with what you were saying is that they wouldn't have those experiences of knowing what those were like that's just the world Mm -hmm. we live in yeah is that we don't they don't they're not exposed to that that material or that kind of characterization uh of different races and so yeah i i meant it to be a positive thing that i i i see what you're saying now i I took what you said a little differently and okay i hadn't seen that yet as opposed to right you know in 2018 we're we view those types of issues with more sensitivity and more appreciation and more inclusion than we used to. Yeah. So right. That, as a that's society, what yeah. I intended on. If, if yeah, I yeah. didn't get my no, point no, across. That was my misinterpretation. So if any of the other listeners are boneheads like me, you're not alone because I'm with you. And for those <laughs> of you who understood what Adam meant the first time around, then yeah, then that's, I, I think we're all kind of on the same page that this Dumbo movie is excellent, teaches a lot of great stuff, stories about standing up for yourself and believing in yourself and that you might end up achieving things you never expected you could but there are certain elements of the movie that have not aged well over the last 70 or so Mm -hmm. years well moving on in the in the story of dumbo as you were you pretty much were we were almost wrapping up the movie is dumbo hightower you know is falling is falling down as he's done many times drops the magic feather 
And, you know, he finds the courage within himself to try. And as he's going in for a combat landing, that certainly looks as if he will fall in the pool of water, which I've never understood. So at this moment, Timothy is screaming as if they're about to die, as if Dumbo hasn't done this five other times before and landed in the tub (laughs) of water and been just fine. You know, maybe it's his oh shit moment because it's the first time he's been along for the ride. But that that might be part of it. <laughs> I, I know that the uh, the clowns when they were getting drunk and stuff, they were talking about increasing the height that the elephant would jump from. So I don't know if maybe it was the exact same setup that it was before. That's true. I had they, forgotten about that. Because like, ah, oh, if they laughed at twenty feet, they'll laugh twice as hard at forty feet, and then they keep going up and up and up. Like, let's do a thousand feet, and it's like. So I doubt he jumped from a thousand feet high, but at the same time, he may have been jumping from a lot higher than Fair. he was used to. But fortunately, they did not Edison this elephant, and Dumbo is able to pull it off at the last minute, and uh, he flies over the crowd, and the crowd oohs and ahs as they're you know mostly just you know washed out faces. They don't really show the audience all that well, but he does a right. few like flying laps around the circus tent, and then it fades to black, and the happy music starts and elephant or Dumbo becomes a huge hit with the traveling circus. So I wish he would have jumped and then did a triple Lindy. I think that would have been really <laughs> cool. But <laughs> and as the uh, as the movie ends, uh, all the animals are in the train car, and as it gets to the caboose, there is a car that was previously had said Mad Elephant that contained his mom, that now says Dumbo's private car, and his mom is in the back waving at him as he's flying behind with the crows in tow, and they're all following the train on its way to the next town, which is a uh. which. I mean, most Disney movies have a positive ending, but the fact that Dumbo was reunited with his mom is a unique ending for a Disney movie that, you know, usually, as I you know stated earlier, normally there's some sort of tragedy that causes the main character to grow up faster than, you know, a child should. And this one is uniquely positive in that Dumbo's mom is alive at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. She's not right, elephant right. burgers or glue or whatever they do with elephants. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, the clowns thought that they were made of rubber. So, I mean, it, it's very possible they could make them into tires or any number of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, so something kind of cool that I came across, which I never knew before, is that Dumbo was a... I mean, we knew Dumbo was a huge phenomenon, and it was a huge hit, and went on to gross an insane amount of money in a World War II era. And uh, Time Magazine was actually planning on making Dumbo Mammal of the Year for 1941. Nice. And they had a cover and everything ready to go, and you can actually find pictures of it online. And then, unfortunately, Pearl Harbor happened, and the direction of the magazine changed very yeah, extensively. That makes sense. So, some reason, you know, they didn't see at that time in our nation, we were not going to go with jokes. <laughs> That's fair. Do we know who was Time Man of the Year that year? 1941. 41? I have no idea. I'm going to have to guess Franklin D. Roosevelt. That was my guess as well. I haven't looked it up yet. <laughs> oh, I'd say. Oh. <laughs> I, I would get. For 41, I don't know. 1941. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So we were correct. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel he was a better choice than Dumbo. 
Yeah, that, that's... given the you know of national events that were taking place at that time. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, uh, up to that point, he had already been in office for nine years. In forty, wait, forty-one. No, wouldn't eight. that be his second term? Or no, that was his first term, wasn't it? Uh, that would have been in the uh, t- towards the tail end of his second term. Yes, or beginning of his third term. Because they didn't have term limits back they then. They didn't. Yeah, he's the only president to serve three terms off uh, in office, and actually was elected to a fourth, but died of a brain aneurysm or something like that uh, while he was getting his presidential portrait done. Wow. Is, yeah. I did not know it was while he was getting his portrait done. Yeah. the the From what I've read, uh, he was getting a, his portrait done, and the painter was, like, you know, doing the little, like, looking over to get, like, perspective and stuff like that to go back and paint. And then he went to check on him, and he was slumped over dead. I thought you were going to say he was standing a little too still. <laughs> Hold it. Too Hold soon, it. Paul. Okay, move. <laughs> Like what's his what's his face in the men's room of clerks? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The reading material. Yes, yes. This is taking a very strange turn in the last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, when you when you get when you when you hit a heavy topic, you got to end it on a high note, or at least you got to change the mood a little bit. <laughs> right, <laughs> true. right. That, true. that is true. Um, now, what was you guys' experience with Dumbo growing up, and then we'll kind of pivot after I mean, that but i remember watching it as a kid i wouldn't say that i had really had many like experiences with it beyond that uh well other than of course like uh what was it dumbo's flying circus or whatever at disney world right right <laughs> yeah that's about the only thing i really remember outside of the movie itself um i remember watching it a couple times and i enjoyed it as a kid but it was certainly didn't rank near my like the top of my favorite Disney movies uh, at the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. I wore out the VHS tape when I was a kid. And what's funny about that is many times as I watched it, it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized it was only an hour long. <laughs> same, it, same. It, it was felt um, much longer. It was definitely among one of my favorites as well. It was this movie, Jungle Book, Fox and the Hound, and a non-Disney movie, Land Before Time. Um, And I would watch all those like on rotation. And then as I got a little bit older, I included Rockadoodle and the Brave Little Toaster as well. Um, Oh, the Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. yeah. That was college, uh, folks. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That song gets stuck in my head all the time. More, more, more. Everything you wanted and more. Like that song gets stuck in my head all the time. And I haven't seen that movie in at least 10 years. And it still gets stuck in my head all the time. Fair. I do say, I will say, I love the scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when they're meeting with the studio executive and Dumbo flies past the window and he's like, I got him on loan from Disney. And the best part is he works for peanuts and he just throws a bag of peanuts out the window at him. He literally does. <laughs> they're full of vitamins. <laughs> oh, I, that's one I hope comes up on our show at some point. I love oh, I bet Who it will. Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh man! Well, good. I think that was a uh, a very exciting, nostalgic, socially woke, and <laughs> silly 
topic all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's hard uh, to so get I... all those things in one bundle. So. <laughs> well, I guess that wraps up our discussion then on Dumbo. So now we are going to move on to Nostalgia Compass! Nostalgia Compass! I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will get to leave their chat next week. Adam has Melissa Joan Hart, and Brian has the shared life experience of water parks. You guys ready? Yes. You know it. I'm not. I have to flip my notes. (laughs) Here it is. Okay. I found it. Nope. Yep. Okay, good. So... As I spoke of earlier, this movie has been released multiple times, and that is what brings it into the years to be allowable criteria on our show. It was first released on Betamax in 1981, Laserdisc 1982. When was the theatrical re-release that brought it to us for the very first time? I'm going to guess 1990. Okay. I'm going to go with 1919, 1985. All right. So it was re-released theatrically in 1989 for a remastered edition. And then that edition was available on VHS in 1991. Oh, nice. There you have it. The VHS was the 50th anniversary. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. So, uh, does that mean I get it, or did I go over? You're closer. You're only off by one. I was off by four. Okay. So. I didn't know if we were doing this. I didn't know if we were doing this, like, Price is Right, where you have to get it as close as possible. <laughs> I, I hope not. Otherwise, we're going to have to have, like, ten <laughs> questions, just in case everyone keeps going over every time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys debated that, but I was going to give it to Adam because Melissa Joan Hart. Sure, yeah. Sure. No offense to water parks, but I'm really excited to talk about Sabrina, Clarissa Explains It All, and a plethora of other you know movies and TV shows that she's been a part of. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, there you have it, guys. As Paul mentioned, I will be guiding you guys through the land of Melissa Joan Hart <laughs> next <God>. time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Melissa Joan Hartland. That's coming to... <laughs> in the Heartland, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tennessee, I'm thinking. Uh, P- Pigeon Forge, right next to Dolly World, they can have <laughs> Melissa Joan Hartland. <laughs> we'll talk about that time I made you drive past Dolly World just so I could see it in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as we mentioned before, the loser, Brian... Ha! Loser. Uh, Still has the topic of water parks in his pocket. And now we need to visit the Hopper of Imagination to get Paul a new topic. Get down! Get in the Hopper! Get in the Hopper! You guys do it better than I do. Well, while Brian readies the hopper, I want to remind all our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those via our website, datingourselvespodcast.com. Alright, so as this works, um, I have three topics in hand, 
They each belong to different categories, so I'm gonna let Paul know what those three categories are. He's gonna say which one he'd like, and I will give him the topic associated with that category. Uh, 42. Um, that's not one of the options. <laughs> no. But it's the ultimate answer. That is To the true. ultimate question. That is true. Are you ready to hear what those categories are? Now that I know one of them isn't 42, I'm not sure I want to, but go ahead. All right, so we have toys, pop Ooh. culture, Ooh. and food and beverage. I struggle to decide what pop culture is because our whole show is pop culture. It's a potpourri, but it's not actually like potpourri, not like the thing with cinnamon sticks sitting on the back of your toilet. It's like, you know, potpourri on Jeopardy. I'm going to go with toys because we haven't done toys in a long time. All right. So if we're going with toys, you actually picked the number one most requested topic we have had thus far, which is the collection of Tamagotchis, Gigapets, and Nanopets. Yeah. So... That is super exciting. So definitely make sure to tune in uh, in two weeks. And Adam's going to walk us through the acting career of Melissa Joan Hart. And then in future episodes, I will be discussing water parks. And Paul will be discussing all those fun little pocket pets of the electronic variety. So we really that appreciate you. dirty when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Better than gas-powered variety. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. If you guys like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any throwback action. That's right. And send us a review, too. We would love that. In addition, uh, we also post additional content on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Dating Ourselves Podcast. If you're on Instagram, check us out at Dating Ourselves Podcast. And we do the Twitter thing, too, at Dated Podcast. And remember... If you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. Woo! Later, guys. So long.